What's up guys, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode of the PT Coffee Cast, I just wanted to touch base with you and say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been rocking with us since day one, we appreciate your support. Every like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is, truly does mean the world to us and it continues to push us to put out the best possible content for you guys. Before we hop in, I just want to talk to you about our partnership with Physio Network. Physio Network is on a mission to improve physiotherapy standards worldwide. They do this through their research reviews. If you sign up, you'll get 12 research reviews per month in both written and audio form. Articles are selected and appraised by industry experts such as Sandy Hilton, Mary O'Keefe, Tom Goom. Um, former PT Coffee Cast guests such as Teddy Wilsey, Sam Spinelli, Jared Hall, Tom Walters, and plenty more. They're clinically relevant and recently published, and they take less than five minutes to read one review, saving you hours of work. This also solves that problem that we all struggle with. How do we stay up to date with the research? Physio Network has you covered. They also give you access to a members-only Facebook group, and you can do quizzes that will get you CEU points. They got it all. If you guys are interested in trying out Physio Network, you can start your seven-day free trial now by using the link in the show notes or our bio on Instagram. This will give you the option to play around, see what you like. Do you like listening? Do you like reading? And just seeing the amazing content that they give you guys, and then you will join because Physio Network is amazing. We love to hear from you guys. If you have signed up for Physio Network, please let us know how your experience has gone. We'd love to hear, and we can pass on that information to them. Also, we are super pumped to finally announce the release of the Movement Coffee Club. What is this, you ask? This is a way that you guys can continue to connect and support the PT Coffee Cast community. So we have three clubs available for you guys. We have the Espresso Club, which each month you will get a personal message from Will and myself thanking you for the support the second club we have is the cafe club where you get everything in the espresso club as well as a shout out on an episode put on the list of the coffee club supporters and a bonus episode each month and then lastly we have our favorite club the mug club you get everything in the first two clubs as well as a pt coffee cast mug a monthly coffee subscription of our own coffee blend and a monthly mug club zoom call The reason why we put this club out is we want to continue to develop ways that we can connect with you guys, the community, as well as have an opportunity for you to support us, um, show us some love, and allow for us to continue to develop and put out the best possible content. You guys can support us for as little as $3 a month. This money is going to go directly back into the podcast for new things like audio equipment, video equipment for better video content, merch, coffee everything's going to go back into the pt coffee cast so we can continue to provide you guys with some pretty cool opportunities if you're interested in supporting us you can check the link in our bio on instagram at the pt coffee cast or at the movement pts and click the coffee club as well as in our show notes of each episode we'll have a link there for you to head over and join guys thank you so much for the continued support and we hope that you enjoy this episode of the pt coffee cast Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations.
What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the PT Coffee Cast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? Heavily, heavily caffeinated. Yeah? Yeah, this is my fourth one. Oh my God, fourth one. It's 1 p.m. It's Tuesday. How you doing? You doing okay? I'm doing good. I, honestly, I don't know why I've had four coffees other than the fact that I just have. Yeah. It's not like I like really needed it. Yeah. Do you, you ever fall into that trap? I fell into that trap. This podcast makes me fall into that trap quite often. <laughs> yeah. As uh, we gear up for another episode, I was like, well, we should probably have a coffee. It's kind of like the rule. So, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is our name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll jump into another episode this week, guys. We're excited to have um, some other podcasters on. Uh, we have Rob and Dave on. They have their own podcast called The Back Pain Podcast. Um, they are based out of... England. Um, I'm not going to try to name their their locations in England, as we were discussing before. It is kind of irrelevant to me because I don't know anything about that country. So, um, but they are they're over there, and we're excited to have them on. So, guys, welcome. Thanks, What's up, guys. Are you, what? No, you guys aren't having coffee. It's a little late there, correct? I just had a coffee actually. I've just finished it, so I've just uh, I just had a coffee, but I'm I'll, not. I'm not we have to caveat that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I do like coffee. I promise. <laughs> yeah. What? How do you guys? How do you like your coffee? Like, what's your go-to? Um, you see, you see, how how poncy am I allowed to get with this? Am I allowed to say a nice macchiato? Is that is that okay? Oh, we, hey, whatever you want. There's no there's no discrimination <laughs> here. Just just a little yeah. espresso with a little marbling, just a little teaser of some milk, just a little whoop. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm a straight black hand pressed espresso guy or french press i'm a french press person as well most of the time but uh yeah i do like a, i do like an espresso and partial for an aeropress as well actually now and again mm. Ooh, oh yes yeah. we're uh can't we're go wrong fans. yeah we uh we're big aeropress advocates for sure yeah <laughs> yeah big fan big fan I, I have i have slightly dabbled though into like some flat whites you know add a little bit of uh a mm. little bit of cream in there which is uh which is nice but um Ooh, most most of the time yeah most of the time i keep it <laughs> keep it black it's like <laughs> a nice treat of flat white i put about a stone and a half on one week and i mean that one week and i was like what, what why has this happened and i looked up what a flat white has in it calorie wise and i was like oh i drink six pints of milk a day now that's, that's <laughs> not a good thing <laughs> like on a crash weight gain diet <laughs> <laughs> that's it yeah all that milk all the time yeah that's not a good thing what was that diet old diet called gomad <laughs> i don't know if any of you remember that i, I was no like what that is. consisted like of just tons of milk <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm about it i i enjoy milk <laughs> yeah. people, there will be some people listening to this that know Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Right, right. Reach out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Guys, why don't uh, why don't we have one of you guys take it away and maybe just do like an intro, or just like a background into you know how the podcast got started. Maybe a little bit about each of yourselves as to like what you you guys do in the healthcare profession, and then we can dive into like back pain specifically. Oh yeah. So look, um, <clears throat> my name is Dave Elliott. I present the Back Pain Podcast with Rob Bevan there. We're both chiropractors in the UK. We run multidisciplinary clinics. So we've got chiros, physios, osteos, massage therapists, sports therapists, uh, Pilates teachers. You've got yoga at the moment, I think, Rob. Um, 
So we're a big fan of all practitioners and all professions pushing in the same direction. We're not just about chiropractic and the podcast reflects that as well. So it's not a chiropractic podcast. It's a PT, surgeon, GP, specialist, uh, everyone who works on backs, with backs and near backs, that is uh, sort of for them, by them, if you like. Um, so the podcast came about because we, well, look, we spend all day talking to people about their backs. We spend uh, hours and hours a day um, uh, talking to people one-on-one -on -one or in health talks or anything else about backs, just trying to constantly batter out of people the, the myths and the mistruths. Um, and the, the sort of negatives that get built up by our, our modern paradigm of talking about backs, you know, um, these things have snuck into our language um, and the, the, the lexicon that we use over many years. And they just they're sticking around the slipped discs, the, the muscle knots, the breakdown of tissue. Um, and we wanted to dispel these myths, myths, truths, whatever you want to call them, uh, on a mass scale. So we created the podcast to reach as many people as we could all at once. Um, and we're both fairly vain, so we like the sound of our own voices. Uh, and from there, it began. Yeah, and it was an easy win. I mean, look, we spend all day talking about backs. It's easy to sit down in a chair in the afternoon, stick the microphone on and kind of rinse and repeat. Um, and what's what's been awesome and my favorite thing about the podcast is how much I've then learned and how much I take into my clinical work like Monday morning, like the next day I'll listen to people. I forget I'm on a podcast. Sometimes I don't speak for about 45 minutes. People forget I present um, because I'm just listening. I'm absorbing. I'm learning. And I think, oh, shit, I better go to work um, and uh, ask a few questions. So. It's been a it's been a wicked journey of meeting people, uh, of learning for ourselves and sort of how to better educate others as well. Yeah. How was that, Rob? Did that sound good? Oh, you summed it up way better than I could. I think that's uh, yeah, exactly right. right. Yeah. We started <laughs> yeah. it just to bust, bust some misconceptions, really, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, what was our original phrase? Was it pulling back the duvet of misconception <laughs> and uh, <laughs> building pillow forts of truth? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing how many misconceptions there are about back pain. Like what, I wonder if you guys have thoughts about why there's so much misconception around back pain specifically, you know, versus like other mm. areas of the body. Mm. I think, I, I think my opinion on this is a, because back pain is so painful and, you know, obviously pain is subjective, but you know, arguably when someone has an you know, acute ridiculous pain episode or even doesn't, you know, an acute non-specific low back pain episode, it's pretty common that people describe it as the worst pain they've ever, ever experienced in their life. And so that in itself will bring about a lot of fear. So then people, I think, will be so careful to avoid that happening again or avoid it if their loved one, family member, friend has gone through it and they've seen it. They'll be so fearful of, of ever being put in that situation. So, you know, one practitioner 50 years ago might have mentioned or oh, be careful when you're lifting because you hurt your back when you're lifting so just be careful of that and then these then get you know dispelled down society over kind of the last you know 150 years of people being careful of their backs to kind of avoid this pain and I think we then became so obsessed with avoiding pain rather than seeing pain as kind of a, a normal aspect of life which we manage we kind of see it as we have to kill pain and pain is you know an awful thing and pain is a you know is a a byproduct of tissue damage, which, you know, we know we've kind of moved on from that. So I think people are, you know, so careful of avoiding it. 
you know, very rarely do you see someone with an acute ankle sprain describe it as the worst pain they've ever experienced in their life. It might be very, very painful, but it'd be very, it'd be much less common for someone to say that. So I think people are more fearful of it. And then through lazy language of practitioners, often not through lack of education, just through ease of, you know, the way they talk about back pain or laziness, we might say, it's very easy just to say, oh, you've slipped a disc or you've, you know, you've done that or yeah, just avoid doing that for a couple of months, you know, you'll be fine avoid lifting you know it's very easy to say these phrases rather than explaining the complexity the complexity complexity that is kind of acute pain or chronic pain kind of I lost my couldn't think of what words I'm using there um <laughs> it's, it's much easier to say that so I think we've kind of just fallen into that narrative and it's become very easy to use these terminologies rather than you know mm. you spend 10 minutes discussing pain you see my 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 uh my theory is super simple it might be oversimplified but one of the biggest things I think the, that allows this to kind of, you know, the, these uh, mistruths or, or misconceptions to keep boiling over like this is that you can't see your back. Now, it might sound silly, but when you've got a, a bad ankle, you can literally see it go big and red and hot and then it goes smaller, 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 smaller. And you know what? You might trip over a, a plant pot or something outside. You see it get big and red again and you can, kind of, you can visualize that it's getting a bit better, it's getting a bit worse. But back, most of our back structures are deep. You know, they're not superficial things. You can't feel it with your fingers often. Oh, that, you, can't, you know, you can't get on your facet joint and think, oh, that's mildly irritating today. Um, these, are, these are within ourselves. And there's that kind of real visceral element to back pain. If you've, if you've ever had it, like it makes you want to vomit, stop in your tracks, but you can't see it. Whereas if you sprain a wrist, you can like, you can watch it happen. You can see it getting bigger, smaller, changing you can see the actual tissues changing like in front of your eyes. You know, if you've got an arthritic little lumpy bit on your finger, you know when you've knocked it and you can play with it and you can see it's there. But if you've got an arthritic, a little lumpy bit on your facet joint, well, fuck knows what's going on, but it keeps getting pissed off every three months. And I don't know why, if the same thing happened on your finger, you, you'd kind of piece two and two together, I think. So I think there is that big element of the unknown. And I think that's where that, that feeds into the, the practitioner, not we call it laziness because uh, well, we're being lazy, it's an easy way of describing it. Um, but to, to sit someone down and, and give them a 45 minute on a you know, lesson on anatomy and this is this joint and that's in there, you're probably still only just scratching the surface of how they can imagine and, and combat that pain. You know, we, we need to be having three hour lessons on pain science and spine and anatomy for someone to probably go, ah, I get it. That's why it's getting aggravated from A, B, and C. Um, and that's difficult. Most practitioners don't have the time or the bandwidth or the ability, unfortunately, to do that. So I think it's easier to say you've slipped a disc and hope that they don't ask any follow-up questions because you've got someone else queuing up in the waiting room than it is to sit them down and say, okay, it's not slipped. Actually, it's an aggravation. It's more of a bulge or a... Um, uh, and it'll push outwards there onto this structure. That's why it's painful. Um, and so the cycle goes on. It's interesting too, because on the, so I agree, you know, in terms of like, you can't see your back. So it's sort of hard to tease out like why it's hurting. But then on the other hand, on the flip side, um, we've started like, you know, with the technology increasing and improving with MRI, it's like, you can see what's happening in your back and then it seems really scary. 100% yeah um, and again the, the idea of you know okay well there's a, a slight disc bulge there so we'll dive in there with a scalpel and root around in there and again if you use that or you know some degenerative change check out any 60 year olds knuckles they've got some degenerative change watch them try and take a wedding ring off you know it ain't happening um, and now 
if we said, oh, those knuckles have some degenerative change, they'd tell you to sod off, wouldn't they? They'd say, no, it's just a bit of arthritis, a bit of old age, a bit of wear and tear, too many birthdays, you know how it is. Um, but we don't signify that with the back. Uh, yeah, it's a strange disconnect, isn't it? There's just seems like, uh, I don't know what you think about this, but it seems also like people view back structures as non-adaptable. Mm. Mm. I think that comes down to the narrative of avoid this, avoid that, or, you know, it's pretty common. We've probably all had patients and everyone listening's probably had patients who said, yeah, I hurt my back when I was 18. So the, the doctor told me I was always going to have a bad back or I was always going to have a weakness there. And we have this, you know, as you said, that disconnect, we don't assume that it's going to heal or, you know, our bodies are amazing at healing, but often people kind of forget about that when it comes to back pain. And it's because I think of the narrative and they expect almost that once they've had a back injury, oh, I've got to be careful for the rest of my life. I had a patient last week who said, yeah, my back's always been bad. I hurt it in 1983. And my osteo at the time said I was always going to have a problem there. And, you know, and he's, and so he's just been careful his whole life, you know, and he was, he's now 60 or something. And he's assumed that he's always going to have a weakness there. And I think that's the narrative that, you know, we, we've kind of put in place over the last 40 years that is just in our lexicon, is inbuilt in society, you know, go and pick up something heavy in the street. And someone will probably pass you and say, oh, watch your back, be careful, you know, lift with your knees. But people don't say, be careful of your knees when you're lifting, you know, they say, don't lift with your back, lift with your knees. But no one really thinks that, your knees can take it, but your back can't. So we have this yeah, assumption that the back is weak when it comes to doing that, which we know just isn't true. Yeah, and, it, and like it, it blows my mind to hear that like story that you told there. And that happens often, like how one person's words, like we've talked about that a little bit already, is like completely changed that person's life. Like probably not the only thing, but like a big influence on how that person started to navigate the world after that. Um, it kind of blows my mind. Like, I, I, you know, I've talked about it before on the podcast, like how, how much we, we have to be mindful of how we speak to people and what we say, and we can use our words for, for very good things, but we can also, you know, whether not intentionally, but accidentally or not, you know, putting things in, in the right context for, for people can really influence them in the other direction. Yeah. I, I generally believe that what you, you know, what you say, and I don't think anyone would have a problem with this is that what, what you're saying when you have someone with their first episode of low back pain or the, for 10 years of low back pain, the words you say and the physical words of what you're saying is the most important thing that you do in that entire consultation. It's more important than the advice you give them. It's more important than the exercise you give them. It's more important than any manual therapy that you do. You know, if you're telling someone that they've, you know, they've got to be careful for the rest of their life compared to, no, this is normal. It's, it will get better. Most of these get better go about your normal activities as you would do, go back to work, you're fine to go to the gym, you're fine to do your normal exercises, carry on as normal, maybe just take a little bit easy for 24 hours if you're in a lot of pain, take some pain, you know, those words that we say are the most important thing and how we say it, it takes years, you know, I still say things now and I go, oh, actually, should I have, I probably should have said, phrased that differently or I should have done that in a different way and I've been graduated 10 years, you know, and I think that that will be the same for the rest of my professional career will be, not second guessing because I, I will still be improving every year, but kind of thinking, oh, I probably could have phrased that differently. Or when someone asks a challenging question about why you think this hurts now, I kind of think, oh, I probably should have phrased that a different way or said it slightly differently. Or I don't think you really got that. And that just comes with experience and practice really, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just even the fact that, you, you know, you're reflecting on those things like often is like a testament to like, your ability to continue to try to provide like 
you know, good care for people. And I don't know, I feel like we're, we, we're very reflective. We talk a lot about that. I assume it's like a norm, but I could be, could be wrong. Cause we're obviously still seeing things that float around, whether it be the internet or client stories around how these narratives continue to be perpetuated to people with low back pain. Right. I think yeah, and, and it takes some time to undo it. It's not a, you know, as he said, that patient who I saw last week, who said he's had back pain since not, you know, a weakness since 1983, that you're not going to change his mind in 60 minutes. You know, that's, uh, you know, that might take a year for him to kind of unpick that and understand that. And I think Greg Lehman spoke about, you know, coming back to that, and it might not be a light bulb moment. Then you might see him for three, four, five, six visits, and then you, you know, he might have a flare up in six months' time, a year's time, six years' time. And then go, oh, actually, what was that other guy talking about? He did mention that this is why it happens and this is why back pain comes on about or, or happens. And we spoke to um, uh, an osteopath, a brilliant osteopath in the UK, a guy called, um, his, his, uh, called Dr. Oliver Thompson. And one of his patients, actually, we had a combined episode. This guy had had a you know, long-term sciatic episode. It's a really phenomenal episode. And the patient was saying how when he first met, you know, Ollie, he really didn't like him because he kind of had a completely different approach. And he started talking to him about his pain and, the patient just wanted him to crack it back into place and he'd be fine. And he said, well, it doesn't quite work like that. And kind of, you know, went from, uh, you know, much more, you know, explained pain to him for, you know, half an hour, 60 minutes or something. And he said, I, yeah, he said, I didn't, I didn't tell you this at the time, Ollie, but I really didn't like you. And he went away for six months <laughs> or went away for, for a while. And then actually came back when he had another flare up and said, actually, I think that guy was onto something and then worked with him over the next six months to kind of help manage his, his, his persistent pain. And that really was a bit of a light bulb moment that not all patients are going to understand this and not all patients are going to be on board straight away. And it, it, it takes time, you know, and pushing too early, you get a lot of pushback and, you know, it's, it takes a, it, some experience to work out which patients can handle it and which patients need a bit more of a, you know, you know cotton wool bud approach or whatever you call it. And it's that, that difference as well between showing someone that actually, you know, it's a, there's a better way of explaining it or it could be done differently now and trying to prove someone wrong. So saying, actually you're wrong there. And this is why people close down. Right. And, and especially if, uh, if they've seen another practitioner for you know 10 years beforehand, or they've gone and seen another, another person for many years and they've been their savior. If you then say, actually they were wrong and they've, they've done wrong. What you do is you're, you're pointing out, therefore the patient has been wrong for the last 10, 20, 30 years. And people don't want to be wrong for 30 years. They feel as if it's like a personal attack. So, so that, that change doesn't, yeah, it can't happen immediately. For, like Rob said, a lot of people might want to hear that, actually, this is the best way. Some you have to really gently sort of almost coax round into this different way of thinking without um, telling them that they're wrong and they've been made a fool of, because that's, that's not what you're trying to say, but that's how it can sometimes feel like, oh, well, yeah, but this has helped me for 30 years. Wicked, I'm not saying it hasn't helped, but here's a great new way of thinking about it, which we can now go from here mm. forwards. Um, and that's a tough uh, sort of tightrope to walk sometimes with some people. I saw a, a post on Twitter the other day that someone said, if we could get the same outcome with a different technique, would you still be happy? And it's that kind of, you know, patients come to see you and they've seen a practitioner who's just manipulated them whenever their back's gone and they come in and they're, that practitioner is now retired because they've been seeing them for 30 years and they come in and say, yeah, saw this last guy, he just pops it back into place whenever it goes out. And, you know, I'm hoping you can do the same thing. And we're kind of like, it's not really how I work. You know, how do you say that? You know, if you flat out just say, no, it doesn't work like that, immediately you're going to get that pushback and you kind of lost the opportunity to educate someone, gain a rapport, 
try a different approach, get someone active, get someone moving. So sometimes you kind of have to meet them where they're at and meet them halfway. And, and a discussion like that is a really hard discussion to have. And I've definitely done that wrong in the past. And I've done it where I've just mm. done what they wanted before. And I've done it where I've just, you know, shut them down and said, it doesn't work that work doesn't work out the way, you know, sometimes it's worked rarely it rarely it has because as dave said you're effectively saying that you're wrong you know they don't take it as the practitioner was it wrong they're taking it as no i'm wrong and you know you're, you're telling me that i'm wrong and it's never going to work you're never going to win them you have to gain that rapport and we know how important gaining that rapport is to a good a good outcome for for a patient oftentimes the guy on the bench um oh go on i was just going to say like oftentimes we expect our clients you know to like not uh, strive for that quick fix, but it might swing the other way, you know, especially in this example where it sounds like, you know, we need to be comfortable with it not being a quick uh, fix, even from, from our perspective. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you guys mentioned like, you know, earlier on, one of the bigger struggles would be like the you know, the amount of time that you might have with a client and like being able to like take the time to have these conversations. And obviously I think you guys mentioned like having your own clinical teams. Um, how have you guys went about like allowing your clinicians the opportunity or to have more time or to navigate these tough situations? Or is there anything that you guys specifically do within the, within the clinic to, to thrive maybe within a model that doesn't necessarily let you have as much time as, as you would like? Um, I, I think what we've done is we've we've tried to say that the the explanation and the knowledge around this is the most important part. That's the thing which will get this patient through. Um, there's been a fantastic saying. Was it um, Poulter, Rob, who said about the three um, three a.m. Yeah. Um, uh, essentially, um, if your patient has pain at three a.m. in the morning and you're not on call in their living room ready to give them administrate some manipulations, well, what are they going to do? You know, you, you've not been a good doctor. I've paraphrased that horribly, and Rob can tell me off later about that. Um, <laughs> but that's what's going to get this patient through and better long term. It's not this dependency on your care there and then. So actually, to move more to an explanation, pain science. Uh, anatomical knowledge however you want to call it they've got to be able to walk out the door we always say if you go home and talk to one of your members of family how would you explain what's going on now so they've they've got to know about what's happening to them and they've got to be able to use that appropriate language now that's got to come first before we start laying hands on that's what the majority of the time should be used for the rest is is you know uh, uh manual skills that can be used or um, exercises that could be uh, I don't know emailed on or YouTube you know but the understanding and the knowledge has to be at the core that's what we spend our time on and then the anything else is either next session later on or we we make sure we have that extra time especially if you've got someone who you haven't seen in a while we always have extra time and we always uh, have quite a, a lot of time in our new patient and our, we have a report finding session. So a longer session to properly explain things. Um, some people sit there and they, you can see in their face, they're thinking, just shut up, and fix my back. Um, <laughs> but you've got to get through that initial stage of, um, of education. That's, that's what it is really, because that's what's going to help them at 3 a.m. when they've got that hot, irritated for set, when that sciatica is kicking off. It's not thinking, oh, I see Dave in four days' time. Fantastic. They've got to have that knowledge of what's happening, why it's happening, and therefore how they can help themselves. Have you guys found it, like, challenging at times with, like, 
you know, as we learn more in the research about the importance of education and the importance of things that you guys just touched on, like with clients coming in with an expectation of the opposite of that, where it's like, okay, we want the quick fix, the hands-on um, stuff. Like, have you found it, you know, challenging to not necessarily, sorry, not necessarily challenging, but have you seen that narrative continue where people are coming in, especially with you guys as chiropractors, like coming in with that expectation, or have you started to see mm. a shift in even the understanding of your clients of what back pain is? And maybe they're like, Hey, I don't need this adjustment. I'm looking for more guidance along the lines of like, what's going on, education, movement, that kind of stuff. Um, I've, I think I've definitely seen a shift. Um, I think I largely will put that down to how I practice and people will refer people in based on their preferences. So I think that will also be kind of slightly individual. Um, you know, I, yeah, as you said, I'm personally, I, I'm much more rehab focused. Um, so that'll kind of be much more core of my, my, my sessions. I do do manual therapy as well. I'm not, I'm not anti manual therapy in that approach, but in terms of, you know, that might, might be a, a secondary follower. So, but then I think that people that prefer that approach will then refer other people in. So, you know, I will be, it wouldn't be abnormal the patient for say to me, oh, go see Rob. He's not like any other chiropractor you've seen before. And people come in from that. And then, you know, I think Dave's similar in that way that we both see a lot, a lot of referrals um, in terms of, you know, as just because we've been set up our practices, set up our practices 10 or so years ago, we'll see a lot more referrals. Um, so, and I think people will kind of refer people and he will prefer that type of approach. Um, but I think the narrative is shifting. I think just with, you know, newspapers and society, people are much more promotion of exercise and rehab, and that's becoming a much more talked about thing to do, more so than I probably saw 10 years ago. Um, so I think it is shifting for positive. I think it will probably take a whole generation to shift it completely, um, but it, it takes time. But I think, you know, as chiropractors, we'll probably see that more. Um, people come in looking for a, for an adjustment, a quick crack, that type of thing, um, more so than, than a PT, a physio, um, maybe, maybe equally as an osteopath because they do a lot of you know traditionally a lot of manipulation as well um but so we'll probably see more of that um but you know i, I said it's, it's that rapport it's meeting the patient where they're at so if i have had a patient who has responded to manipulations for 30 years it would be re very remiss of me just to say it hasn't worked or that's nonsense because that is his experience of managing his pain so if i just as he said as we said a minute ago shut him down and say oh no i don't do that we're going to get off on the wrong foot. So it's going to take some time to kind of unpick it. So it's meeting him where he's at and meeting or her where they're at in the middle. Mm. Um, but, you know, you can, th there can be like a hybrid as you, as you <laughs> break that horse and, and bend them to your will, you can pop them down into a nice little side posture. And then as they're, you know, breathing in and out, you can say, have you thought about their effects of, a <laughs> of that manual <laughs> therapy versus rehab? Um, uh, you, know, you know, you can you can bring that into um, into play as, as like a hybrid model as you, as you um, uh, get them used to the, the way that you treat. I think the the availability of of knowledge is probably a help and a hindrance in some ways. You know, now when you look for back pain, you'll get the the normal you know um, uh, your local chiros, osteos, physios, PTs. Um, uh, advertising but then you'll also have a whole heap of youtube and um and blogs and vlogs and all the rest uh, all that info out there so hopefully the good stuff is starting to seep through there is still a lot of instagram chiros physios osteos pts uh, you know where they've got probably less than um uh what i would describe as less than adequate treatment methods um i've not seen anyone in a bikini um i've never used a chisel uh, and i don't wear a cowboy hat 
uh, during treatment for sex. Um, so I, well, sometimes, um, uh, yeah, I, I find that actually that it's kind of swung it in both ways. Some people see that they go that's ludicrous that's not what you do right and then there's others that get in the office and they're like cool i, I want that thing that they do where they pull your head off and rip your toes and yeah, punch you the, in the liver where's the chisel where's the chisel yeah that's it where's your chisel man you go <laughs> oh this is gonna take a while um yeah um uh so yeah look, we've got this fantastic tool we've got the internet we've got you know the entirety of man's knowledge at our fingertips um if we choose to go left down the rabbit hole and some don't unfortunately go right down the rabbit hole and it's and it's a sensationalist um, uh, treatment styles. But I think there's enough that are going left right now. I forgot what I'm saying. Um, there's enough people that are going down the good route and getting good information. I, I, I'm seeing a, a change people walk in for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I've always had- if that a, was the question. <laughs> no, that was good. Yeah, and I've always had like a, I've always had a similar view to that. Like I think the internet and the ability to access information, I think I, I very much look at it as a positive. Like I think there's a lot of good happening with it. You know, for example, your podcast, you know, a lot of the content with the people that we've interviewed, like there's a lot of really positive things out there. And if it, is it, it wasn't for that, for us to be able to put that content out, who knows what maybe be, you know, that, that right and left turn, it might be more biased to one side, but one thing that I've really appreciated, I want to get into this with you guys. And I think it's a good time to do it is like, you know, you've had a couple people on your podcast from opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their viewpoints. And I think like one, I want to ask you what, what kind of made you guys want to do that Two, How has it been like, um, having those conversations in terms of what you guys, you guys have learned, or even just feedback, um, you know, from your listeners on that, because I think it's like, you know, talking about, um, you know, having those two, you know, uh, rabbit holes go down, like having people be able to listen to a conversation where they get two perspectives and then have to make a decision for themselves. Like, I think that's a really good thing to be out into the world, like have more of that out there. So I, I would love for you guys to dive into that. Well, I think generally what we've aimed for is all the people that we've had on the podcast will be a force for good in, in general terms, in terms of, you know, we've steered away from having people that we fundamentally disagree with 100%. You know, there are a few people who we might have different approaches, different styles, but generally, I said, people are always going to be a force for positive in the world of back pain. So we've kind of focused on that to start with. Yes, that people have as you said, there's been a bit, of, a bit of a dichotomy with kind of people's approaches, whether that's manual therapy, whether it's rehab, whether it's more of a structural approach, you know, kind of different conversations around that. We've been, you know, our podcast is primarily patient facing. We have had some episodes which have been a bit more clinician focused, but generally we've always aimed at it as patient, uh, patient facing. So getting into the nitty gritty of kind of what well, actually that doesn't quite stand up to this research and doesn't quite stand up to that is not something we really wanted to challenge live on air because at the end of the day, patients don't really care if you're talking about that Brzezinski paper, they shut off. You know, they want kind of hard hitting facts about actually I'm in pain now or my wife's in a lot of pain. What can I do to help her? What can I do to help myself? So we kind of, you know, steered that. We've we've edited out some bits, which we kind of thought mm, that wasn't quite fitting with our narrative. Um, and then that's just been a learning curve for us as well. You know, some of the people that we've interviewed are far more knowledgeable about their areas than we are. Um, you know, hugely, pretty much everyone we've interviewed actually has been far more knowledgeable, knowledgeable in areas than we are, 100%. So we've actually learned a lot from that. And that was a learning curve just from doing the podcast. You know, earlier on, we kind of thought actually looking back now, we would have picked that apart a bit or kind of asked a few more 
deep diving questions in that particular aspect of their management of back pain or their belief in pain or whatever it might be. Um, so that's just comes with practice. And that just comes with, we had a, probably a bit of a hero complex where we invited people on the podcast and thought, we don't want to challenge these people because, you know, we've been looking up to these people for 10, 15 years since you know, we learned about these people when we were at university. So who are we to kind of challenge that? And now we've kind of learned to actually think, well, actually, we've been graduated for 10 years. We've, we've been seeing patients for 10 years. We've seen thousands of patients over the years. We also do know quite a bit about pain when it or back pain when it comes to this. So we've kind of had to take a step back and say, we're okay to ask these questions. And, you know, we've had a lot more episodes recently where we have put people, I don't want to say on the back seat because we haven't challenged people that expect, to that extent, but, you know, just questioned, well, how does that fit with this belief or how does that fit with this narrative? And it kind of opens up that dialogue in a positive framework as opposed to saying, nah, it doesn't work like that. Or, you know, oh, that's a load of rubbish. Why do you believe that? We could have, we could have, have, we could have, we could have, we could have people on the show where we say, no, nah, that's a load of, that's a load of crap, but it, no one benefits from that in a patient facing patients don't want to hear mm. clinicians argue most of the time. I know we had a big argument recently on a, on a, on a show, which I'm sure you probably are aware of. Um, but that was, uh, you know, I said more of a clinician focused episode <laughs> than a patient facing one. That's it. And it's one of those, uh, you know, uh, I think the saying is no one comes off clean in a mud fight. Uh, it's not a positive way to bring these things to light. We didn't want to be gotcha journalism. We didn't want to put people into uncomfortable positions. There's uh, essentially, yeah, like Rob said, if, if they're a force for good, we, we, we have them on. Um, and what ends up happening is if, if you're constantly sort of picking at every point out, but I've got a paper from 1996 that disagrees with that, you never really get anywhere because you're always sort of halting at every point. Um, so it's quite difficult. The idea being, because there are so many um, dichotomies and views, there are so many opposing views out there, people are going to have to sort of pick a side themselves. So if we can remain fairly non-partisan, if we can present all opinions and all options, as long as they're relatively sensible and we're not um, uh, doing anything too too wild and wacky that's been disproved, people should be able to, to have their own sort of um, volition for that. You know, they, they should be able to create a choice of which one sounds best for them as well. Because um, otherwise, you know, we, we can just present our personal views but then people are still going to look on the internet and find another view. And if we've not discussed that or sort of allowed that into the fray, it looks like we either don't know or we've, we've just ignored it. So I think it's worthwhile talking about all, all these different uh, viewpoints within reason. Yeah, no, for sure. And what, like, I'd be curious, like, have you guys gotten feedback from, you know, your listeners or like the, you know, you say you're, you're mostly like client facing, like, have you gotten feedback on like, these episodes like have people taken value from them appreciate them i'm assuming they have because you guys continue to do them but what has been some of that feedback yeah we've had a lot a lot of feedback actually with a lot of the more kind of specific condition episodes like spinal stenosis or kind of called requiner syndrome when I mean, we had a patient who um or what wasn't a wasn't a patient of ours someone who emailed the podcast and said i actually had called requiner syndrome which i found out because of your podcast so they were having some back pain episodes and had some symptoms. I think they had some sad anesthesia and when it got it checked out and they had, a, you know, they described as mild, not emergency, but ended up having surgery because of something that we did in the, in the podcast. Um, and so we get a lot of feedback from, we have a, fa uh, a Facebook group, which I think has you know, four and a half thousand people in it, um, which are all, we, we, we limit that to 
patients as opposed to clinicians because we get a lot of people wanting to come in and sell stuff so we kind of have to nip that in the bud fairly quickly we don't want to buy your shitty sciatica cushion um <laughs> you know trying to adver adver advertise bs um and we get a lot of discussion in that around oh actually and and it's become a bit of a kind of self-fulfilling journey where patients you know discuss oh actually i've just been diagnosed with degenerative disc disease has, has anyone else got that and people will jump on and say, oh, listen to episode 18 where they discuss this with a rheumatologist or with a physiotherapist. And actually, it doesn't quite work like that. And actually, you, you're safe to exercise. And it's kind of just grown on its own because of that. So we get a lot of feedback from that. And then, yeah, we get a lot of emails, a lot of people asking for help, which is difficult because it's very hard to give advice over an email. You know, should I have surgery based on this MRI findings? And you kind of have to say, I can't really do that. I recommend you find a local practitioner to discuss it with. But we get a lot of feedback. We, you know, I had an email come in today saying, thanks for your episode with, where you had a surgeon talking about a uh, microdiscectomy. I've just had one. And that episode really kind of nulled my fears around what, what I was going to expect. You know, you know, was I safe to move after having the surgery? Was I going to be in a lot of pain? Um, you know, that kind of journey. So those episodes have helped a lot as well. So we do get a lot of feedback and it's, it's all been positive, really. I don't, I don't, as far as I can remember from patients, we haven't had any negative or kind of you know even kind of constructive criticism really when it comes to that so maybe they're just hiding and haven't come forward I'm sure there are people that haven't enjoyed episodes it'd be ridiculous of me to say that every patient's enjoyed everything that'd be nonsense but you know it's, we've had a lot of positive feedback from that which has been really good to hear and it, that's what's kept us going really hasn't it Dave? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we've had the odd bit of not even negative, but constructive or or disagreement. Normally, it's from practitioners. Um, so essentially, they disagree with with what someone said, uh, which is kind of good. Actually, it's, it's healthy to then get that out there and then discuss why. Uh, um, we've not really had many like personality clashes. Mostly it's been, well, actually, I disagree with that. Uh, Twitter, which is Rob's domain, um, is awash with with angry physios. <laughs> so they, they spend plenty of time um, uh, arguing the toss between different techniques and, and, and descriptions. But actually, that's really good because that does then form um, sort of the basis of things changing. We, we've got to have it out. We've got to have healthy arguments as such or discussions and, and, and uh, sort of open place um uh, and frank discussions about this because that's how things will change um probably not beliefs because they're very hard to change but you know that that's how things will get better and come to the fore so i quite enjoy that i, I do enjoy a little twitter dust up um just to watch uh <clears throat> so i think that even if there has been any negative from that i'd still say it was very constructive and it, and it created a, a movement of a discussion you know it created a discussion point or something for someone to shout about um which i like yeah i, th I think that's a good thing yeah it, it for sure I, I agree i think i think it is a good thing and i know you guys again are more like client focused but from a clinician standpoint i think there's a lot to take away from from those conversations and and a high percentage of the people are are more in the middle and not on the polarized edges so they probably can take a lot of value away from hearing other perspectives and we've i think we've shied away from from that in in our profession and then we leave it to like be done on twitter which is not a productive way to do it like i think a, a longer form mm -hmm. platform like a podcast is a great way to do it um and you can you can get a lot of good information out of that so uh i'm, I'm super pumped that uh that you guys are are doing that i think it's i think it's highly value 
Yeah, it's pretty hard I've to convey say, tone I've been... in 160 characters. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I've been blown away by the the amount of therapists that listen and comment and um, uh, reach out to us, actually. That, that's that been a real surprise, a real pleasant surprise. Uh, we, we sort of didn't, we didn't create this as a practitioner-facing thing, but we get so many people um, uh, having said, you know, my, my doctor uh, told me to listen to the Back Pain podcast. My my physiotherapist told me to listen to the Back Pain podcast, which is which is really cool. In fact, Rob, I, I, uh, if I can say this story, um, your younger brother was at a work um, health and safety day, um, and one of their further readings or you know further material was the <laughs> Back Pain podcast. Um, so like that, so the, the fact that it's been used as a third party material by practitioners is awesome. Um, so it's been it's been really interesting, and that has been a, a knock on. You know, we have had that practitioner audience listen in as well. Keeps us on our toes as well. We can't just be spinning rubbish, can we? Uh, we've got, got to make sure it's uh, all above board. Yeah, hundred percent. We hide behind the coffee. We just be like, oh, was, we were just too caffeinated. We didn't we didn't mean yeah. to say that. <laughs> just so damn caffeinated. I said so damn caffeinated. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just to just to start to wrap up here, I'd be curious to hear like what what do you guys hope um, you know continues to come from the podcast? Like, do you guys want to grow? Like, obviously, you're going to continue to put out episodes, but like, what do you want it to become? Like, you just mentioned like some really cool things with like your Facebook group, as well as just the fact that people are referring this as like a resource for like third party. Like, is there stuff that you guys want to continue to develop with it? Exactly that. So I think you know we're starting now, as Dave said, to become that resource. So I would love you know, that, that kind of dream is to be a fly on the wall where, you know, you see a patient's walked into their practitioner, whoever that is, and they said, yeah, brilliant, where they, they help them with their sciatica or their, you know, degenerative disc disease, kind of whatever you want to call it. And they go, brilliant, yep, yeah, so we've done some work today. However, I really recommend listening to episodes 17, 19 and 21, where they go into this in a three hour detail, which can really hit home some of the nuances that we spoke about today. So being that kind of go-to resource for clinicians to recommend to their patients is, is a big first step that we'd love to do. And a second, secondly, we're, we're developing a kind of like a provider network where we have a recommended resource, a recommended practitioner resource where people in pain can go onto our website and pop in their postcode. And it comes up with someone who we know is tried and tested and we either know personally, or they've been a guest on the show, or we've been a guest on their show, or we've just, you know, had a chat with them on the phone. So we kind of know their approach. And so when someone emails us and they say, do you know anyone in Leicester or do you know anyone in Ontario? We can say, pop your postcode in here. There'll be someone who we recommend near and you're not going to get, I don't know the word con, but you're going to, we know that you're going to get treated really well and you're going to get the most up-to-date evidence-informed management for your back pain. And, you know, that's a really f- fantastic resource. You know, we've only kind of started this recently. We've got 30 or so people on there, kind of only, only UK at the moment. Um, actually, I think we might have one person in America, actually, I, I tell a lie, but, uh, you know, in, in the UK at the moment, and people are actually using it regularly. I think we had 700 visitors last month with people looking for someone locally to them, um, which is fantastic. because we know that that 700 people who might not have got as high quality care as we know that they can get. So, you know, that's a phenomenal, a phenomenal resource, really. Yeah. I love it. That's, that's awesome. I mean, one of the reasons why we value social media and the internet so much is like the ability, the ability to impact a a, a greater audience, right? Like, you know, we can help people that come through these doors, obviously, but if we can, you know, create a network or do things that can help impact people at scale in a positive way, evidence-based information, like 
we're, we're down for it. And, and obviously you guys are too. So I, I love that directory um, idea. Why don't you guys leave where people can find the podcast, uh, Instagram website, all that good stuff. So yeah, head on over to the backpainpodcast.com, uh, which is our website. So you can see all the, all the episodes on there, a bit more about us. And then as you said, our, our kind of provider network. And then the social medias, we are on all of all of them. I think we're on at the Backpain Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and then at the Backpain Pod on Twitter because that's as long a handle as you could have, I think, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, so reach out to to us on any of those if you've got any questions. You can always find out more about us on there. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. I'm at Rob the Cairo and all of those all of those different resources. And Dave's Dave's a little bit quieter on the on the social media. I think he watches a bit more from the sidelines. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah um don't follow me it's pointless <laughs> it's, it's a waste of a thumb click i'm afraid he's too busy working with uh with the chisels on the side you know wearing his i'm just shopping in my chisels baby <laughs> love it well rob dave thanks so much for coming on really appreciate the conversation um to you guys listen head over check out their podcast check out um all the resources it's it's really good stuff and uh yeah thanks guys for coming on thanks for having us guys enjoyed it